today, I had the opportunity to preach about squad goals. Squad goals. If you don't know what squad goals is, it's basically a group of people that you're joined together with. A group of people that you do life with. A community of people that are surrounding you in the darkest moments of your life, in the happiest moments of your life. They're your squad. They're your ride-or-die homies. So I'm excited. So I just want to encourage you guys just to lean in this morning. Um, this message for me, is, uh, it's been one that God has kind of been brewing in my heart uh, for the past couple of years. And um, I'm actually just really honored to be able to preach. Um, I'm honored to have our pastors back in the house. Yes. Love it. <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead and get, get into the word of God. Uh, we're going to be reading from John 15. John 15, verse 9 through 17. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen. It says this in verse 9. It says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Verse 12 says this. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. Verse 16 says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command. Love one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for what you're doing in our city. But most importantly, we thank you for what you're doing in the lives of every individual in this room. Father, I ask that as I speak today that it would not be my words, but it would be your Holy Spirit speaking through me. Teach us in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. So I actually kind of find this funny that I am preaching about squad goals and who you surround yourself with. Because if you would have looked back when I was in elementary and, and a little bit in middle school and a little, a little bit in high school, I was very introverted as a kid, if you can believe that. I was very introverted. I was very quiet uh, to myself, kind of did what I was supposed to do, kind of did what my mama and my daddy told me to do. You know, if I got out of my seat, then my butt would get whooped, but that's okay. So I did, <laughs> I did what my parents were telling me to do. And, but I remember graduating high school. And uh, I went off to Bible college in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I remember going to Bible college and just having just this prayer, just asking God, Lord, I really want some true, authentic friends. Because I had, had friends in high school and, you know, we did the things, we did things that we shouldn't have den- been doing, partying and, and whatnot. But I asked God, I was like, Lord, I really want true, authentic friends. I want that for my life as well as I want to be that authentic friend to someone else. And I just remember having that prayer and praying that prayer just quietly within myself. So my parents dropped me off for Bible college, and a year went by. And I kid you not, like, people just started coming into my life. Like, God was just bringing good friends, good 
like solid people that genuinely loved me and cared for me as a person. And so a year went by, summer hits. I come back into town to visit uh, my parents for the summer. And uh, I invited some, some people came to visit me. And I invited some friends over for a potluck. And if you've been around me long enough, you know that I say I want to keep things small, but it's never small. It's never small. Like, just recently, I celebrated my birthday, and I was like, my wife was like, what do you want to do? I was like, let's just, just have everybody over, and let's just make it, like, kind of small. 75 people later, <laughs> she's like, you call that small? That's not small. Like, that's so many people. That's not small to me. It kind of is small. But I came back this one, <laughs> this one summer, and I was uh, just had this, I invited some people over to my house, my parents' house, and we had this potluck, and 50 people showed up at the door. And we were just hanging out, chilling, just having a good time. And uh, afterwards, everybody had left. And my mom came into the kitchen, and I was with one of my best friends. And she was like, Andrew, I didn't even think you had friends. I was like, thanks, Mom. Like, really? She's like, yeah, really. I didn't even think you had friends. You were so quiet growing up. I never saw your friends. I never saw who you hung out with. You were kind of in and out. Like, I was like, really, Mom? You really think I didn't have friends? She's like, yeah, I seriously didn't think you had any friends. And she saw... In that moment, true story, she's here today. She can tell you all about it later on. Um, in that moment, though, she said to me, she was like, I can just tell that you're more than a friend, though. That you're, you really care about those people. When they come into, your, and come into the house and, and hang out, like, you really genuinely care about them. I can see that. And she said that she could see that change in me. So my first point is, number one, it says, our unity is found in community. I'm going to be reading from Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 6. It says, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. Somebody say one body. Somebody say, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope and your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Pastor Jason preached about this a couple weeks ago. Who is above all, in all, and through all. And so, after, after college, and when I started taking this a little bit too serious, um, I started really like, getting into this thing about community and hanging out with people and getting to know people. I'm about to show you a picture of uh, some guys that are in my wedding. Um, it's going to come up on the screen. So this is my wedding party. So this just goes to show you how much I value community in my life. So I kid you not, I had 16 groomsmen and one junior groomsman, which is my little cousin, one junior groomsman. So 17 guys total on my side. Now, you're, gonna, you're, you're laughing at that, because it's, but it's so true to me. It's, it's important to me to have community in my life. It's important to have guys that I'm surrounding myself with that uplift me and build me up. You may look at this and say, you're crazy. I, I probably am a little crazy. But I just know that it's so important. Every single one of these guys I do life with. I call when I'm going through something or I, I talk to them if, if I have a happy moment saying that I, we got pregnant or whatever. These are the guys that, these are my ride or die. So these are my squad right here. And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, you can never have community without unity. And you can never have unity without community. They go hand in hand. 
We say that we want to be unified. We say that we want to be a body. We, we say that we want all these things. But if you don't have a community of people surrounding you, you can never be unified as a body. Come on, somebody. How many of you know that we need people in our lives that are uplifting us and building our character in us and sharpening us and making us uh, anew, just developing us, building character in us? It's important. So I love that. But how many of you guys know with all those guys that are in that picture, they can sometimes get on my nerves. You know, I'm being real. These, a lot of those guys were my roommates, and we used to hash it out. They're dirty, messy, just crazy. And that brings me to my next point, number two. Shout number two. Friends may fail you, but God never will. It says in Matthew 26, 36 to 46, it says this. And this is um, Jesus, and he's in the garden of Gethsemane. He goes in, and this is before he's about to endure the cross. And all the hardship that's ahead of him. It says this in 36. It says, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he told, told the, the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. Somebody say, stay awake. Stay awake. Going a little farther. He fell face down and prayed, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, so couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? I love this in this moment. Because Jesus is displaying true friendship right here. Right here in this verse. He didn't yell at them and say, why are you falling asleep on me? Get up. We're about to endure something. He asked a question. He said, couldn't you just stay up awake with me for just one hour? Verse 41 says this, stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Second time, he comes back and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. After leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said, are you still sleeping and resting? See, the time is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is at hand. And I have this funny story to share with this, with my groomsmen. They're jokesters, and uh, sometimes they like to like play pranks on me and do crazy things, which I don't like. Um, but at, like my wedding day, you know, we, we were about to leave and go on our honeymoon and do our thing, thing, thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for marriage. Hallelujah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, we, we, leave, we leave our wedding and we get in our car. They're like, yeah, they're cheering us on. You know, we're going. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. We're going. We're going on our honeymoon. I'm so excited. We get in our car. We get in my car. And I turn on. I kid you not. I'm so, like, we're just like talking to each other. We do a little kiss. And I turn on the car and whoosh, glitter. Just <laughs> glitters in my face. I'm like this. I'm like, what's happening? Like, I'm like trying to grab it. It's getting in my afro. It's getting everywhere. It's getting all, all over me. And I'm just like, what? what's happening? <laughs> but how many of you know friends may fail you? But God never will. <laughs> you know? 
So in that moment, I didn't appreciate my groomsmen. I didn't appreciate that at 17. I should have said, oh, I should have brought this down to one. One person. But they were all in it. They were all for it in that moment. <laughs> oh, man, it was horrible. We have a video of it, so maybe we'll show that one day later on in life. But <laughs> friends may fail you, but God never will. How many of you guys know that there, people aren't perfect? We're not perfect. We're not meant to be perfect. We're not meant to live a perfect life. But one thing we have to remain in and one thing we have to know is that even though people around us may fail us, God is consistent. God is faithful from the beginning all the way to the end. He will carry you through to completion. So it's important that we get that aspect. Friends may fail you when we're talking about squad goals and the people that you surround yourself with. you got to know that people aren't perfect. You can still be an authentic friend and still fail somebody. Friends may fail you, but God never will. Somebody shout number three. Your validation is never found in your squad. Your validation is never found in your squad. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 16. This is a story basically about um, Samuel and David. And this is how um, some context to this story is uh, Samuel went out to find a, a new king because God had gotten rid of Saul in that moment. And he says this in verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have selected a king from his sons. We're going to skip down to verse 6. It says this, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his stature. It's important that we get to, get to know this. Do not look at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees. For humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. So hold on to that. Verse 8 says this, Jesse called Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. The Lord hasn't chosen this one either, said Samuel said. So he's going through all the sons. Then Jesse presented Shema. But Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. After Jesse presented seven of his sons to him, Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel asked him, are these all the sons that you have? And he says this, they're still the youngest, he answered. But right now he's tending to sheep. Samuel told Jesse, send for him. We won't sit down until, until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes and healthy, handsome appearance. Then the Lord said, anoint him, for he is the one. Verse 13 says, so Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence, this is important, in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward. Then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. So this is important. Your validation never comes from your squad. We take a look at David in this story. And we see that his father, in his father's eyes, David wasn't ready to be king. David wasn't ready to run a nation. 
So he sent all his other brothers before him. He said, I'm going to send all these other brothers first. He didn't even really think about David. He didn't even think about David in that moment. But God sees what? He sees the heart. While David is out tending sheep, doing his thing, I don't know what they do. I should have researched that before I preached, but <laughs> tending his sheep, that's okay. There's grace. Thank you, Lord. There's grace. <laughs> tending sheep, whatever they do, he's out just being obedient to God, just singing, probably singing his, singing his heart out and playing the harp or whatever, the, all the things that he did. <laughs> he's out in the field just enjoying his life and just being obedient. Being obedient, doing what God has told him to do. While his brothers, they're at a dinner. They're having a party. They're hanging out. They're saying, oh, I'm going to be king. I'm going to be king. No, you're not going to be king. I'm going to be king. They're all hanging out, doing their thing. Until Samuel calls for him and says, hey, I need David. David's the one. David's the one. So it's, it's we need to get this picture that it's in his obedience that God saw him, saw his heart, and then elevated him to a platform to be king. We have to stop getting our validation from men. And really start looking into who God says we are. Come on, somebody. Because it's so easy for us. I'm going to speak to the students for a minute. It's so easy for, for us to find validation in, 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 in friends. It's so easy for us to find validation with different groups that we hang out with in social media, in Instagram, in Snapchat, in Facebook, all these different things. But you have to know that your validation is in the one who has called you, who is for you, and who is not against you. We have to know that. We have to take that for ourselves as well. That our validation can't be found in people. Because people will what? People will fail you. People will say whatever they want to say. They'll do whatever they want to do. This world is a cruel world. <laughs> I love it. Come on. <laughs> we have to be careful that we aren't finding our identity in people, but rather looking to Christ who tells us who we are. And how many of you guys know I love a good compliment? I love when I come to church and Pastor Justin is like, bro, look at that outfit. You're looking good. What's happening? I love a good compliment. But when you allow validation or compliments to come from others more than you do God, you become addicted to the opinions of others rather than the word of God. It's so easy for us to get into this, this rut of, of, of being addicted to uh, compliments and, and these things because it feeds our ego. It feeds, it feeds our identity. We, we want to be, be this, this uh, the status quo of what the world's ideal is. Uh, value is. But we have to know we can never find our identity in people. Our, our, our value has been placed in God. This word right here, this word is what I mirror. This word says when I'm going through something that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This word is what I follow. That I am more than a conqueror through Christ. When I'm struggling and I'm in temptation, it says I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. We have to see this at face value and know that this is the word of God. When you're struggling and you're dealing with something, you get into the word of God and you say, who does God say I am in this situation? I love that song. 
I am who he says I am. God is for me. He's not against me. I am who he says I am. So your validation can never be found in your squad. If I would have allowed everyone's opinion to dictate who I was right now, I would not be preaching on this stage. That's truth be told. Hashtag truth be told. That's a message. <laughs> Serious though, if I would have allowed people's opinions to come in and say, oh, well, you should just stick to dancing. I don't think you, you should do that. I don't think you should preach. I don't think you should teach like that. I think you should just stick to dancing. Or vice versa and said, oh, you should just preach and forget dancing. I never would be in this platform right now. But because I allow God's word to come through me, and I allow him to fill me up. I can stand in boldness knowing that I was created for greatness. Knowing that we were born for something more. So never let people validate you. Always look to God. Every step I take in faith is because I allow my validation to come from Jesus. I allow the words that are in this book to be the final say. There is no other word. Even if you have a squad around you that's supporting you, still you have to hear God above all other opinions. And my last and final point is that we are better together. We are better together. I'm going to share this story. That's a personal story to me. Um, after I graduated college, I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And you guys are probably like, well, Albuquerque sucks. But um, <laughs> my wife is from there, so I got a beautiful thing out of there, so it's great. Um, so I had moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it was about a year into this internship. I was interning and working at a church. Plus, I had two other jobs doing two other things. And life just began to set in. My bills, I was behind in my bills. Like, there were some personal struggles that I was dealing with. There was just a lot of stuff going on. Like, life was hitting heavy. How many of you guys know that we have times where life hits heavy? Things were going on. My life was in shambles. I felt like, oh, Lord, like, what's happening? And I remember driving home. This was from a service. And I remember driving home in that moment on the freeway. And I just began to cry. I just began to just to weep and just be real with God. I said, Lord, if you're, if you're here, if you're faithful, why does my life feel like it's falling apart? Why does everything around me just, just it, it, it's awful. Everything just sucks right now in this moment, Lord. If you are faithful, and you are a faithful God, which I know and I've seen you to be faithful, why in this moment am I struggling? Why am I dealing with these things? Why am I dealing with temptation? Why are all these things coming up from my past? And I was just being real in that moment. I was being raw. And I just remember driving. I was going 80 miles an hour heading home. And I was driving and I was like, I just remember thinking, I was like, if I, if I just turn this car and hit this brick wall, 
and die. No one would care for me. No one would be there. No one would miss me. This is a dark place in my life. And I kid you not, not even five seconds after I had that thought, my best friend Fabian called me. And he said, hey, bro, what's up? I just felt led. I felt led to call you. What's going on? And I just broke down. And I let him know. I was like, bro, I just had this thought of just killing myself. I'm struggling. Like, life just sucks right now. I'm going through this pain. All these past struggles and hurts are coming up to the surface. And I just don't know how to deal with it. I don't know if I can fight anymore. I don't know if I can walk into church and act like everything's okay when really all chaos and all hell is breaking loose around me. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can preach the next week on how God is faithful when I feel like he's not faithful right now in this moment. And I was just pouring my heart out to him. And he just listened to me. And he just started praying for me. And it was there in that moment that I knew community was important. It was there, even though he was miles away, he was in a whole different state. God was awesome in that moment. God was showing me that he is faithful. And God was also showing me that I'm never alone. I wanna to speak to this for a moment. This is the reason why at the well we have table groups. Let's be real for a minute. This is the reason why we have table groups where you can get connected to people. You can do life together. So when you're hurting and you're in the depths and the darkest moment of your life, you can go to your community of people and say, pray for me. I need your help right now. This is why we have a student ministry section right here. It's so that you guys can do life together. That you have to know that you're not alone. That people are for you. And your friends are surrounding you and backing you up. This is one of the reasons why we have the well kids. So kids can grow up in a godly environment knowing that their friend and their sister and their brother, they can be raised up with them. And they can have people that love them that are their age. This is why we do it. This church isn't the walls. It isn't the structure. It's everyone that's sitting in these seats right now. This is what the church is about. The church is about bringing people and being there for people in the darkest moments of their life or in the happiest moments of their life, whatever it may be. We are a body standing together. In Ecclesiastes, it says this, 4, 9 through 12. It says, two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. Somebody say, lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? Verse 12, it says this. And if somebody overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And I love it when it says this in the New Living Translation. It says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Devon, will you stand behind me for a second? Rachel, will you come in front of me? So, when I'm struggling and I'm going through something, I can lean back and say, hey, Devon, you got me? If I'm, I'm pressing for something and I'm going forward, I can say, hey, you got me? This is what it means to have surrounded, be surrounded by, by people that care for you. It's saying that back to back, we can fight together. We can stand strong together. But if I was by myself 
and didn't have anyone to turn to, I wouldn't be able to conquer. But what God is saying in here, he said, gather together, be together, be a community of believers that love one another. In the darkest hours of their life, in the darkest moments of their life, be there, be present. I want to encourage you guys today that you're not alone. How it says it in here, in Ecclesiastes, a person standing alone can be attacked. The enemy wants to get you isolated. Because if he gets you isolated, then he can defeat you. That's why it's important to have people backing you up. That's why it's important when God showed me in that moment, when my friend called me, he showed me that I'm not alone. That you're not alone. You'd be amazed that how many people are sitting in this room that are hurting, that are broken, that need Jesus. And they need a team of people around them, pushing them, encouraging them, saying, I got your back, dude. I got you. When you're falling and you're struggling, say, I got you. Come on, let's walk together. Come on. You may have a, a broken knee, but you, you got you. I got you, bro. Let's walk together. Let's do life together. I'm here for you. Never forsake the assembling of people together. This is why we have church. This is why we do life together. I love this quote. I love this quote. It says this, togetherness is a hugely important aspect of life. It unites us, gives us security, much-needed support and a sense of belonging and encourages us to love one another. Just know that you guys aren't perfect. None of us are. But know that you have a people. You have a place to come, to call home. That's why it says welcome home. We do that on purpose. Because at home, you can be yourself. At home, you can put up your feet. At home, you can cry. At home, you can worship. At home, you can do whatever you need. You can be at home. We're a family. We're a family. We're called to do life together. We're not called to live alone. We're not called to struggle alone, but we're called to do life together. You guys stand in this moment. We're going to go back into worship in a minute. You may be saying to me in this moment, I'm going to offer two invitations. You may say to me in this moment, Andrew, better together sounds good. Being around a community sounds good. But I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to be surrounded, and, and, and I don't even know how to be an authentic friend. I don't even know what that looks like, because I don't have any examples to base this off of. You may have been hurt. You may have had friends and experienced hardship with different friends that are surrounded you that you feel like have failed you, and you've given up on them. In this moment, I believe 
in order to have a good relationship, in order to have godly friendships around you, you first have to know Jesus, who he is in your life.